Climate Action News one-on-one brought to you by We Don't Have Time and A Sustainable Tomorrow. My name is Katarina Rolf-Stotter-Jansson and I'm the host of this program. Sophie Mather, 30 years old, started with environmental lobbying to politicians at age 7. Her work has taken her all the way to the US Congress and the Canadian Parliament with the organization Citizens Climate Lobby. She's credited for bringing Fridays for Future to Canada. Sophie is one of seven young people taking the Ford Ontario government to court for weakening Ontario's 2030 climate target with eco-justice. Hi there, Sophia. How are you today? Um, I'm doing pretty good. I got a bug bite on my eye, but other than that, um, well. That's great. Well, well not, not the bug bite, but it's, it's great you're doing mm-hmm. fine in the situation that we have. So, uh, Sophia, tell us about the lawsuit, an update, and... and uh, how, 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 how did the idea come up to, to actually sue the local government? Um, well, I got contacted way back in like November 2018 about this, and I had always dreamed about being a lawyer, so I thought it was such a great idea, so I decided to join, and um, it was so great meeting all the people, meeting the lawyers, we had lots of, lots of uh, sessions together, and then more recently, um, after the after our case was released, the Ford government put a motion to strike on our case, which means they're kind of trying to stop our case. They don't want it to go forward. So now we're probably going to go. Um, we're going to counter their motion to strike and uh, see what comes next. Well, this is impressive, and it, it's not only you. You have a team of lawyers, obviously, and mm-hmm. there's other youth around you too. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, there's, I think there's five other youth, or there's five youth on the case, and two lawyers, yeah. And when I read about you, Sophia, I understand that you have been an, an, an environmental activist and climate activist since you were seven, and now you're 13. Where does your um, engagement in the environment and, and in climate, where does it come from? Um, I've always been aware of the climate crisis. I was kind of born into it because my mom started decided to become a part of the climate movement just uh, right before I was born. Uh, but then I just started, started to become more aware of it when I was seven years old, because I guess as a two-year-old, I thought it more of as my mom's job and less of as a problem. But when I was seven, I saw my mom lobbying and I decided to go with her on Parliament Hill. And I had such a great time and I had learned so much and I realized Oh my goodness, that this is a natural problem that is going to affect our future. And uh, now I'm a climate activist. Well, good for you. That's amazing what you're doing. Really, it is. So tell us more about your work as a climate activist. What does it entail and, and how has the pandemic affected what you do? Well, every week um, we used to go out striking on City Hall, um, bring out signs and just uh, for a couple of hours sit out there. But more recently with the pandemic, um, we've been doing online strikes. And as a climate activist, I learned to adapt to these sorts of things because, um, you know, as a helpful organizer, I would say, um, when there's rain, you have to adapt to that. So just like when there's a pandemic, you have to learn to adapt to that. And it's been really fun doing these online strikes because um, Zoom is really fun to use and there's lots of uh, other tools that we could use. So we're, we're still adapting to it, but it's been really fun. So is there maybe even a way of, of the, the, this getting stronger, the movement, when you're, when you're connecting online? Or 
do you feel like you're losing traction? How does it feel? I definitely feel like um, we are getting stronger because now you can see that uh, social media, which a lot of people are on it now that there's a pandemic and people, a lot of people are staying home, um, that it's like flooding social media, a whole bunch of photos. And you can see that lots of people have been joining Digital Strike. Um, it's easier for people to uh, to get onto Zoom now. It's easier for people to join. And we've been getting a lot more media attention because it's so cool that we can throw an event on on Zoom. Well, that's very hopeful to, to hear indeed. It is. So, Greta, uh, I'm sorry, um, Sophia, you met Greta. Uh, what was it like? Because I understand that she was a great and is a great inspiration for you. Yeah, Greta is like my role model uh, for everything I do in the climate movement. Um, I know lots of, like, it's almost like a kid these days meeting like a superstar, or a famous actor or something. But for me, it was meeting Greta Thunberg. She's my superstar, as I like to say. And she was such a calm and nice person to meet and got to have a little uh, chit chat. Uh, there were a lot of people backstage that day, but we all got to have a nice, uh, a nice chat about the climate movement. And it was really fun. And it was so cool um, on how natural it was that uh, everyone was talking to each other. Great. Wonderful. So, Sophia, how, does you, how do you see the role of youth in the climate movement? in the future and well, from starting from now? Um, I think that youth will drive us forward because we are, um, well, the climate crisis is definitely going to affect the youth today um, more in the future because we're going to be the adults of tomorrow. And so I think it's very important that we have youth in this movement because youth have way more powerful voices. I mean, Yes, it's great. There's lots of adults in the movement, but if an adult sees a kid on the TV talking about climate change, that will catch their eye and like make them realize that um, this is an important issue because even during a pandemic, uh, youth are still talking about this and it's showing um, that um, we want climate action. How do you balance between fear and hope? Because you have many years to, to go on this planet, uh, being young. Uh, do you talk a, a lot about those two aspects of your future, uh, the dark scenarios and the, the brighter ones? How do you navigate in these, in these waters? Um, well, I tried to keep hopeful during this because um, I'm surrounded by lots of people who want to take action. Um, so I always try to stay hopeful during the movement because I know there's a a great possibility that we could take action. We just need to do it now because we are running out of time. So I think it's good that anytime I have fear, I use it uh, I use it to empower me to keep going forward. Um, every time I'm scared, I like to talk to somebody about it because you don't want that fear to build up inside you so that um, you feel lonely and you feel like nothing's going to happen. You want to make sure there's always a spark of hope, uh, a spark of hope there. Well, thank you, Sophia. How do you see the, um, the importance and the role of, of the lawsuits? Because your lawsuit is not the, the only one in the world. There are other lawsuits uh, very much inspired by, by your generation against governments. How do you see that, that, uh, that coming forward? Um, I think the lawsuits are so important because now they're kind of, if the law gets put in place, that's forcing the government to do it. So they have no choice to, to uh, 
to not take action on the climate or else they're breaking the law. And I think that's so great because they're putting lives at risk. And I think it's important that that is against the law. Uh, and I think it's, it's so great that there's lawsuits all in other countries because of that's showing everybody, oh my goodness, we can bring our jobs and our work into this. Um, I know that lots of dancers are dancing for the climate and a lot of lawyers are getting into these lawsuits and uh, learning about it. And I definitely want to be a lawyer when I'm older. So this is such a great opportunity to know how to be a part of this and also get to bring my activism in it uh, and still be, be able to make a difference. Uh, you are also um, an artist. I mean, you're very much interested in art, I understand. Tell us more about this and how you could, and how you are um, bringing your interest of art into climate action. Um, so I have um, been doing parachutes. Uh, it's called Parachutes for the Planet. It's my Mother Earth project. And we paint humongous parachutes. And we, bring them, we used to bring them out to rallies. And now we sometimes may take photos with them on our driveway. Um, and parachutes as in, as in jumping out of airplanes? Not as parachutes as in jumping out of airplanes, like playing parachutes. Okay, um, smaller but, ones. Yeah, um, but they are so pretty big and we get to paint them however we want with whatever message on it. And it always attracts a lot of people uh, because at rallies, everyone would want the parachute and um, it's just a fun thing. Uh, it's good for the media and um, I also bring my dance into this. I love bringing the arts into it. I love doing dancing for the climate. I, I love, um, because it's so, it shows your passion in what you're doing and it, it catches the eye of lots of people when they, when they see dancing for the climate or when they see a, a pretty big parachute um, with art on it. If you imagine lots of young people watching this and lots of young people will be watching this, what would you like to say to those that are a bit hesitant into getting involved in, in, in climate action? What would you say to them? Um, I would say that youth have a strong voice. You can definitely make a difference in doing this. It doesn't matter what you do. You can bring your hobbies into it. Um, it's, it's really easy. You can just grab a sign, post a photo of you on social media and tell everyone, hey guys, we're in a climate emergency right now. Um, it's as simple as that. And I think it's, it's just everyone can make a difference. It doesn't matter if it's small or big or if you're part of a lawsuit or if you're just going for a garbage cleanup in your neighborhood, everything helps. And how, what is the difference from you when you get involved compared to if you wouldn't be? I mean, in terms of a well-being, how do you think that affects um, aspects of fear if you, if you do take action or if you don't? Um, I think that, um, I think that, uh, taking action on the climate crisis and being a part of this lawsuit has definitely helped me use my, use my fear and, uh, change it into action. So you take your fear and turn it into action. So if I, if I wasn't doing anything on this climate crisis and if I wasn't speaking about it, then I probably would have built up fear in me about the climate crisis and be very worried. And as I said, we need to make sure that we have hope in this movement. And it's definitely great to be able to post on social media and see people's reactions. And um, there's obviously going to be lots of great reactions to it. And it's just something that um, kind of pushes down the fear. And that is really important. And what you do is, is crucial for, for the survival of, of the next generation, obviously. Uh, 
you get one final question that everybody gets. Um, if you're a, if you come from the UN or if you're 13 years old, you're just as important in this in this program. Um, and the question is, what does climate leadership mean to you? And do you have any examples that you'd like to share? Uh, a climate leader is someone who um, believes that we should take action on the climate crisis and that doesn't even have to lead the way, but shows and takes on the government. It doesn't matter how they do it because everyone is a climate leader. You don't have to be an organizer. You don't have to be the one on the stage. You could be the person behind uh, behind the scenes running the event. Everyone is a climate leader. And um, it's hard to give examples of a climate leader because there's so many people who uh, would be considered a climate leader. I would consider all my friends climate leaders because of what they're doing. Everyone's doing their own stuff and that makes them a climate leader in their own way. Well, thank you so much, Sophia, for joining us on Climate Action News 101. Uh, it's very inspiring to listen to you, to, to talk to you, and uh, best of luck with your, uh, your endeavors in climate action and your dreams of becoming a lawyer. I'm positive you will be an excellent lawyer with your rhetorics and your passion. Well, thank you thank so much. You. Thank you. And for all of you viewers, please join the We Don't Have Time platform on the app or the, on the web. And if you are based in Scandinavia, you can join a sustainable tomorrow for meetings, events, and education. Uh, we're all in this together, and we'll be back next week with another guest. Take care. Coming up next week, Mindy Lubber is CEO and president of Cirrus, a sustainability nonprofit organization working to build leadership and drive solutions throughout the economy.